millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio, Women's Football Weekly with Faye Others on TalkSport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game, including the Women's Super League. Clean off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers. Lana Clellan striking from outside the penalty area. World-beating, big-match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scored! Women's Football Weekly with Faye Others on TalkSport 2. Hello and welcome to Women's Football Weekly. I'm Faye Carruthers and over the next hour we're going to catch you up on all the latest goings on in the world of women's football, including getting reaction to this season's Champions League mini-tournament announcement. We'll chat to Manchester City player coach Jill Scott about what's next for her. We'll look back at the season, analysing both international and domestic performances and could the 2023 Women's World Cup be going down under? Former Arsenal and England forward Leanne Sanderson and Molly Hudson from the Times will be with me to discuss all of that and more here on TalkSport 2. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from Arsenal Women and you can follow the WSL on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. So this is our final show before we take a short break ahead of the new season. So lovely to have you with us. Loads to catch you up on as always. And to do that with me... It's an absolute pleasure to be talking to the legend that is former England and Arsenal forward, uh, Leanne Sanderson. How are you? Hi, Faye. Great to hear your voice as always. I'm doing great. Thank you. And yours, of course. We saw each other just before lockdown as well. It's, I feel like work-wise, yours was the last face I saw. <laughs> Aren't you lucky? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was great to see you. Um, yeah, it was crazy how everything has kind of escalated out of nowhere. And then I flew back to LA and one of my best friends actually got stuck with me for an extra kind of 10 days to 14 days. So that was kind of kind of nice. I had that company. But yeah, I got back about a month ago now to London. So um, I'm over the jet lag and it feels good to be with my family. Oh, well, it's great to have you back in the UK. Molly Hudson from The Times is with us as well. How are you doing, Molly? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Been keeping up your running and quite a lot of money for the Derby Rimmer Foundation. 
Yeah, so it was, um, do you know what, it was quite good to get out of the house, actually. It, it ended up being a little bit of a blessing in disguise. And as you say, we, we raised um, a fair bit of money, which is which was the main thing. Absolutely. Right, let's crack straight on into it because we've got loads to get through uh, today. Let's talk Champions League because UEFA announced that all remaining matches in the Champions League will be played as an eight-team straight knockout tournament in Bilbao and San Sebastian. Uh, so all fixtures are going to take place between the 21st and 30th of August and a draw is also going to take place at UEFA in Neon this Friday uh, to determine the order of matches and the final match schedule as well. Uh, Leanne, as a uh, Champions League winner yourself with Arsenal back in 06-07 when of course it was called the UEFA Women's Cup, what do you think about uh, about this announcement? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think the unfortunate thing about what's been going on is I think women's football has been left in the background when it's come to, you know, what to do. And I think I do feel sorry for the people that are making the decisions because there's no real correct decision because we've never really been in this position before. But it kind of reminds me when it used to be called the UEFA Cup. And believe it or not, people often say to me, I can't believe you played two legs for a final. But that's how it used to be. So it kind of reminds me of how it used to be when we used to go away to Russia and, and Denmark and we'd play against everybody in a round robin and then you'd progress to the last 32 by that way. So it kind of reminds me of that. I mean, if there's no other options of what to do to get it done, then I don't think it's a bad thing. But I just don't think this would have happened in men's football, if I'm honest. Mm. Molly Hudson, were there any other options? I think it is a difficult one. And, you know, as Leanne says, it is pretty tough if you're the one making these decisions because we don't really know what is the right thing to do and it is all a very new situation. But the big worry for me is the fact that each league has gone about their ending of the season very differently. So obviously we've got the Bundesliga in Germany, which is still going ahead. So of course Wolfsburg are going to be match fit and teams in England literally haven't trained for months. So I think that for me is the biggest problem with, with this solution. I'm happy that we are at least getting the resumption of the Champions League and it's important that that has been taken seriously enough to have that, but it's not ideal with the fitness. I mean, the Glasgow City, for example, a, a part-time team, the, the massive mountain they already had to climb has only gotten steeper. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a few things here as well as those, um, but this mini-tournament's going to be held in August. A problem for the clubs if next season starts in September. It's almost going to be like pre-season for some and then just a little bit awkward. Well, yeah, I think that's the problem, obviously, with the calendar, isn't it? It's it's when when do teams actually start training and when they do start training, a little bit like we've, we've heard a lot of managers talk about in men's football, where do they get these almost pre-season friendlies? Is this going to become almost like a, a pre-season tournament, which obviously is, is nothing like you expect from Women's Champions League, which is the, the pinnacle of the sport. So I think it is going to be really difficult and... It may well not be the greatest spectacle in terms of the actual football, but at least, I guess, as I said earlier, at least it is going ahead. Mm. What about the heat, Leanne? I mean, they're going to be playing in some insane heat. San Sebastian and Bilbao, not cool around August time, I'm presuming. No, I was just about to say that. I actually played in Spain like seven, eight years ago for Espanol and it was absolutely roasting. Like We used to train at sometimes six o'clock in the morning before it got really hot. So yeah, it's not ideal at all. And I remember when we won the Champions League against Umia, actually, Marta's old team and Ramona Backman's team. And I think it worked in our favour that they were out of season. Um, with the way it used to work back then, obviously, as Molly touched upon, different teams have different things are going on and all over the world. I mean, the league in America is just like the teams are in pre-season and they're about to start to play. And I've seen a 
lot of players from England that have gone over to play there because why wouldn't you, you know? But I just don't get how some leagues are playing and some are not. But I think definitely the heat is going to play a factor in that and it is going to be a difficult one when people decide to go back to training because, you know, you can't just take all this time off. And I think from a selfish perspective, from a football fan, we want football back, don't we? Everybody wants football back. But as we've seen over the last few days, I've watched some of the games in the men's league and in the Premier League and some of the games have not been very good. They're not to standard and we've seen injuries, you know, so it's a difficult one. But I do think in the middle of August to play in San Sebastian and Bilbao is going to be a difficult one. So it'll be up to the coaches and the players to decide when they're going to go back. And, you know, with the way things have evolved now, it's not as if players take months and months off and then go back to pre-season unfit. Everybody's usually in tip-top um like fitness levels going into pre-season so it's going to be a difficult one but it'll be an interesting one to say the least and they'll definitely have to hydrate <laughs> yeah yeah for sure quite a few drinks breaks I, I would expect from a journalistic point of view I mean I know it's going to be very difficult for the players but you know Molly not really that upset about the potential of having to go out to uh, to Spain for a week in August well yeah uh, it won't, won't be too bad would it um I think look I think it is it'll be very interesting to see hopefully you know, we we won't be in quarantine by then, so mm. that we won't have to come back to England um, and be be stuck in for for fourteen days. But hopefully, it'll um, hopefully it's a positive that at least we get to report on it. Yeah. So of course, those uh, four fixtures that we're talking about: Atletico Madrid versus Barcelona, Leon against Bayern Munich, Leon, of course, uh, the current holders, six-time champions. They'll be going for the record of seven. Glasgow City against Wolfsburg, tricky one for them, and then Arsenal against Paris Saint-Germain. Leanne, let's talk about the actual football itself. Uh, Arsenal, the only English club to ever win the Women's Champions League trophy when you were with them. Just explain exactly, A, how prestigious this competition is in the women's game. And also, do you really think that Arsenal can break Leon's dominance and win it again? Yeah, you know, I mean, for me, it was the biggest moment in my career when we won the Champions League at Arsenal. And I remember the final whistle like it was yesterday. And I know everybody that played in that game certainly felt that way. But I think, you know, Arsenal have definitely progressed under Joe Montemero 100%. You know, I think that's, that was needed. He's come in, he's done a fantastic job. But I think it's going to be difficult. I mean, Leon have, have just run away with everything for years. Wolfsburg, obviously, is up there as well. I think it's going to be difficult for Glasgow against Wolfsburg. I'm not going to lie. I think it's difficult for any team. But I think, you know, Arsenal can definitely, I mean, at the end of the day, that anyone can beat anyone on their day and I think they can definitely beat Paris Saint-Germain um, but Lyon are just a formidable force and I think they're an example of when you put your money where your mouth is so to speak then things can happen you know and I know their owners have invested in the team for a long period of time you know their whole team is fantastic their bench is amazing you know and, and I can't see anybody beating Lyon for a really long time but you never know anything can happen Okay so is Lyon your eventual winners? Yes I'd say so Molly? For me, I think I think it could be it could be Wolfsburg, and purely because of the way the season has gone and how they're in full swing, and obviously Peniel Hard has been in brilliant form for Wolfsburg. So, I think they actually probably have more of a chance in these circumstances. Yeah, right. Well, we'll find out. Uh, the fixtures, August the 21st to the 30th in San Sebastian and Bilbao. Now, some news that we didn't get to touch on last week because of our Pioneers special was that England midfielder Jill Scott has agreed a new contract at Manchester City under a new role as well. She's going to be player coach, at least until the summer of 2022. Anyway, working alongside new head coach Gareth Taylor and his assistant Alan Mahon. And I'm delighted to say... Uh, Jill joins us on Women's Football Weekly here on Talk Sport 2 now. Hi, Jill. How are you doing? 
Yeah, well, okay. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being on. I've been watching plenty of your um, lockdown videos, one of yeah. which running into a door, which I think we mentioned here on Women's Football Weekly. Yeah, I think um, having, a, having a small garden hasn't helped with these um, obvious Jill football challenges. But yeah, it's been fun. I've enjoyed doing them. Brilliant. Well, we enjoy watching them always. So a new role for you. How did this come about? So not just extending your time with Manchester City in a playing capacity, but you're going to be doing some coaching. Yeah, I think they're just trying to tell us that I'm getting old, to be honest, and <laughs> think about the next step. But um, no, I think I think it's great that ever since joining Manchester City, they've always said to us that it's important to think about what you're going to do after football. And they've really supported us with the coaching side. Um, I've got my UEFA B licence now. And yeah, it was just fantastic to obviously get a new contract. Um, I want to kind of make it clear that I am focusing on playing first and then Hopefully I can just kind of do a few sessions, uh, maybe with the younger teams and the development girls as well. So is that the ambition for the future then, a role in coaching? Uh, I think so. It's kind of like anything. I think people think if you can play football, you should be a good coach. And I feel like I'm okay, but I probably haven't tested myself at the highest level. So I'm quite excited to go on that journey. And it's kind of like you have to start learning from the bottom, I suppose, just like you did with football. But getting them new skills, it should be exciting. And as you mentioned before, learning from the likes of uh, Gareth Taylor, Alan Vaughan, um, I think it'll be good for us. And what's the ultimate aim? If you were going to have like your big goal ambition, like when you were a player playing for England would be yeah. up there, what would be your coaching ambition? Yeah, I think everyone asks us this and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a bit boring that I do just, think to the next day a lot of the time um, and I always think kind of just just work hard and then see what comes your way but yeah to to be coaching um, an international team or, or something like that within the England setup that would be fantastic but as I say that just has to be a, a dream for now or, or getting a job within uh, Manchester City um, but I have to focus on kind of taking baby steps at the minute and just learning my trade I suppose in the coaching business yeah baby steps are the way to the top though for sure look forward to interviewing you as the future England manager um, <laughs> Manchester, uh, Manchester City season um, so far ended um, obviously second place with the PPG uh, how, how do you assess the season as a whole yeah, it was a, a difficult one. Obviously, nobody in the world thought that this was going to happen. And I think first and foremost, it was about the safety of people's families and friends. So it was something that we never knew what the outcome would be. And then um, obviously they did the, the system and we ended up finishing second. Um, as professional athletes, you always want to see out the season, especially when you started it. Um, so, yeah, it was it was hard to take, I suppose, in a way that we finished second because we really wanted to win that league and, I think it was kind of out of our control in that sense. But um, in terms of getting Champions League for next season, then that's a massive uh, positive. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Champions League. Uh, that has to be the ambition, doesn't it, for next season? Yeah, definitely. We always uh, set that as one of our targets when we go into the season. We we'll want to be playing against the, the best teams and you can do that in Champions League. We've been successful in it in the past. Um and, yeah, it's a competition that we we'll want to be in. We feel a club like Manchester City should be in there and you want to test yourself against the best players. So, yeah, it's it's good that we've got Champions League. In terms of England, we're going to be talking about it on Women's Football Weekly uh, shortly, looking back on, on the season. No, not been great. How, how's it been within, within camp? How much better do you know that, that this team can be? Yeah, we've, um, obviously since the World Cup, I think we've made no... Um, 
kind of excuse in terms of we'll put ourselves out there against the best teams, Germany, America, and uh, we're honest in saying that we know we've fell short against these opponents. Um, but I look around them changing rooms and I see so much talent, so much young talent. And I hope that we can kind of use these results just to, to bounce back, really. Um, the games have been good in terms of getting the younger players' experience because it's, it can be quite daunting um, going from, say, playing for the under-19s, under-21s, and then suddenly just being in the senior team. So I think hopefully this can be a little bit of a transition period, but I'm excited for the future for the England team. I think we've got an incredible amount of um, talent and hopefully once this kind of... Um, periods over then we can get back out there and just enjoy pulling on that England shirt again. Yeah, how difficult is that transition period going to be with with Phil Neville obviously leaving and we still don't know who's going to replace him? Yeah, I think everything's a bit up in the air to, to be honest with you. It's not like I'm kind of trying to hide anything. I think in this time there's just loads of things that are up in the air. So I think as footballers, um, as kind of people in any kind of work, you always try to just focus on information that you do have and things that are definitely going to be in place. So we're not sure what's going to happen yet. Obviously, Phil's been brilliant. He's still got another year on his contract. Um, so, yeah, we just have to kind of... I think there's always he says and they're in sport all the time. Um, but as players, we just have to focus on the definites and concentrate on um, changing what we can control. Yeah, absolutely. Control the controllables, a very well-known phrase yeah. within football. Just finally, uh, you mentioned your age at the top. It's not me saying it. Um, but how concerned are you um, about the Olympics obviously being put uh, back a year, then the Euros being uh, put back a year, that, that you won't quite make it? Or are you still pretty confident in your body that you'll get there? No, I'm still confident. Um, I'm training hard. Uh, I still feel fit. I think within the squad, I'm still doing well on the fitness tests and stuff like that. So I've just kind of got my head down in this period and I've run a lot, to be honest. Um, and as I say, I, I don't feel like a 33-year-old. So I think you've just got to keep going. Obviously, you never know with injuries and stuff like that. But I'm just trying to be positive and yeah, it'll definitely be one of my aims to go to the Olympics next year. I really hope that that uh, aim is realised, Jill. Always a pleasure chatting to you. Look forward to seeing you soon. Enjoy your break. Thank you. Thanks so much. Take care. Jill Scott there, Manchester City and England midfielder. If you are listening to Women's Football Weekly here on Talk Sport 2, Molly Hudson from The Times and former Arsenal and England forward Leanne Sanderson are with us. Remember, we're now a podcast, so you can download us from your preferred podcast provider and catch up on Women's Football Weekly if you miss us at any time. Next, though, Chelsea as champions and attendance is up. We look back on the ups and downs of the WSL season. Women's Football Weekly with Faith. Hello, this is Farah from Medin FC Women. You're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Percival's lost it. Here's England. Oh! A stunner! Last season's top scorer off the mark. And salmon through for Bristol City. Can she get the shot away? She does. Beyond Hampton and up into the net. It's a smashing grab for Bristol City. What a crowd we've had today. A record crowd in the WSL. 38,262. Chance at the Amex for Green to give Brighton the lead. And she does that. Strikes it into the roof of the net. Had a clear by Godfrey. Dropped here to Little. Danger. Goal. Outstanding from Kim Little. This could be a real opportunity. Edge of the D, the shot goes in. And West Ham will take the lead. That's the ball around Bailey. Good ball in. Oh, just pushed away by Kitchen, but back to Staniford, who strikes it with a left boot. Evans. Flag stays down. It's another for Miedemar, and that is 10 of the best. Arsenal. Liverpool on the attack now. Charles finds Lawley. Can she get the shot away on her 100th appearance? And it comes and lives out a handball. It looked like it struck a hand. No appeals and the shot comes in from Furness. And Becky, great ball in. Ellen White for Manchester City. The Continental Cup is Chelsea's. Hayes history makers. England the hero. Winners of this competition for the first time. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others. Thanks for being with us. I also have Leanne Sanderson, former England and Arsenal forward with me, and Molly Hudson from The Times as well. Well, just listening back to that WSL season highlights package reminds me how many cracking goals we had. It, it's been a good season. It has. You almost forget how much has actually happened in the season because obviously we've had this little break and, you know, so many positives have actually happened this season, whether it's been from attendances or whether it's been young players really coming through. And obviously we've we've seen players like Beth England just improve week on week. And it there has been a lot of positives. And I think we have to remember that amid all of the disappointment that the season didn't continue. Yeah, Chelsea crown champions, of course. Um, did they overall play better football than Manchester City, Leanne Sanderson? 
Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, Chelsea have been a fantastic team for years and Emma Hayes is so great at putting, like, rosters, like, teams together, you know. She's so great. She's done it in America historically, you know, and I think they, with them losing out on the Champions League spot last year, Emma was our assistant coach, actually, at Arsenal when we won the Champions League. So Emma's won it before, so she knows exactly. And I know Emma lives for these high-pressure situations, so they're missing out on the Champions League the year before. They certainly weren't going to want to do that again. So obviously they added to the roster. We've got Sam Kerr in, writing in. You know, and they had fantastic seasons. As Molly said, the season got cut short, um, obviously, and nobody wanted that to happen. And I'm sure Chelsea would have wa- wouldn't have wanted to win the league in this way. But it is what it is, and nothing else can be done. But I think they've had a great season, and you know, it's been great because it's been so competitive. Obviously, Arsenal winning it last year. You know, other teams have now stepped up to the mark, and I think you can see that. Yeah, let's talk Arsenal. They did win it last year, but has it been an average season for us for them this this year, Molly? I think it's it's difficult because actually Leander's reminded me there that obviously Chelsea missed out on the Champions League this season so they've had more of a focus on the domestic competitions and we saw last season how that worked in the favour of Arsenal. They had that smaller squad which we know Joe Montemoro really likes to work with and actually they've almost suffered with being in the Champions League, having those extra games and I think maybe Chelsea and Manchester City Although the first eleven is probably all very even in terms of quality compared to Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester City just seem to have that greater depth. And I think that's what's shown in the head-to-head games as well. They've just got that extra depth and quality coming off the bench. It makes such a difference at the top level when it is so competitive. Yeah. What do you make of uh, first season for Manchester United and, uh, and Spurs? Which, which one of those sides surprised you the most, Leanne? Um, when I say I wouldn't say surprisingly enough because I'm a Manchester United fan, so I'm obviously going to be partial <laughs> to them. I obviously want always want Arsenal to do well, but I wasn't surprised that Manchester United did so well because when they were in the league below and they had to obviously be in the league below, but when they came into the entered into the football league, but I think they've done done brilliantly. I think you know Casey Stoney been there, done that. You know she's had a lot of experience, and I think you can see that. And I think she's certainly got the best out of the players that she has. You know I wouldn't say I think they're going to continue to add to their team. I think obviously I think it's been a great first season for them you know what they in fourth at the moment yeah finished in fourth it's fantastic you know it's a great first year and I think teams like Tottenham for a first season I think they can be happy with how they've ended but I think with the name that these teams have you know Tottenham Hotspur Manchester United I think they're going to draw a lot of players to come and play for them I've certainly been a little bit disappointed by West Ham this year I, I expected a little bit more from them but knowing Matt Beard he's a good friend of mine he's going to go away add to that roster you know work with them and, and get them up the table because they've definitely got the ability to be able to do that. Yeah, it's really interesting when you look at the table on a points per game basis because Reading are up in fifth and actually early on in the season they were struggling. Yeah, I think it's actually looking at the league table. Something that I've picked up on is, I know we, we, we've all, players have been on the show and we've spoken to them across the season. And they've talked about how the league has felt more competitive this time around and yet there is a big gap between those top three and the rest of the league. And even though you do have Manchester United and Reading that are competitive with those top three, it feels as though when it comes down to it, the nitty-gritty, getting those results, Chelsea, Manchester City and Arsenal, they are just that step ahead. And I think now in the coming season, it's really got to be the likes of Manchester United, the likes of Spurs, as Leanne said, with that name from the men's side. You hope they can build on their squads and, and try and bridge that gap, really, because we know that those top three are competitive and we love that and we love how tight the title race is. But we want the whole league to be closer together as well. Yeah, 13 point gap was what it ended up being, which is, you know, a, a pretty big gap, really. Um 
Leanne mentioned there that West Ham were a disappointment to her. We've touched a lot on Women's Football Weekly here on TalkSport 2 about Liverpool and the situation that they're now in, obviously going down to the Championship, having to massively regroup and hope that um, the club itself invest in their women's team more than they um, anecdotally have done. Um, Who else would be a big disappointment to you, Molly? I think it's been quite difficult. I wouldn't say a disappointment, but it's been a difficult season for the likes of Bristol and Birmingham because if you look back historically at the Women's Super League, those two teams have always given a a really good game to Chelsea, Manchester City and Arsenal. And a lot of the time they've managed to take points off them. Now, we know Birmingham were pretty unlucky in the fact that Marta Tejador didn't seem like the best appointment. That, you know, that disrupted their season, obviously. She left halfway through the season. Hopefully they'll be looking to, to really build on that and have a kind of fresh start for the new season. And I think for Bristol, they made some pretty good signings and I think there's potential there and they've got a lot of really impressive young players. But I think, it again, as I said, it, it feels as though it's been the season that has maybe seen Chelsea, City and Arsenal just become a little bit too good and their squads have become a little bit too deep for some of those smaller clubs to really compete with them. Mm. Now, where we list, where we lose the Merseyside derby with Liverpool going down, we gain uh, West Midlands derby, Birmingham-Aston Villa, newly promoted. Are you excited about that one? I mean, from a Birmingham City point of view, they've had the, 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 the rub of the green in, uh, in, in the Midlands for, for, for quite a while now, the dominance, if, if you like. But, I mean, Aston Villa ready to upset that party. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I think the more derbies we can get, the better. You know, Aston Villa have, have done great. They've come up, you know, and I think it's going to be great for the for the women's game 100% to get those derby in place and can hopefully get the attendances to grow. And I think touching upon what Molly just said there um, with, with regards to Bristol and Birmingham, I think, you know, Birmingham last year are in fourth position. But teams like Bristol and Birmingham, they've historically always been known to be very difficult to play against. I mean, when I've played against them, they're kind of like gritty you know they're quite difficult to play against especially when you play them away but ultimately I think the reason why the likes of Chelsea City and Arsenal are that step ahead is because they just have more quality and that's really what it comes down to you know the international players they have the foreign players they have they have a lot of like very very highly intelligent players you know and that's not to say the other teams don't but I think because there's been such a large investment in the women's game from those teams that's what the biggest difference is the quality of players that they attract. Yeah, obviously we don't know the conclusion of the FA Cup yet. That's still to be uh, decided. Uh, But some overall points to take away from the season. I mean, WSL attendances up by an average of 34%. Is that more than anybody expected, Molly? I think you have to say it's really positive. And I think what the FA have done really well, I know they take a lot of flack from from us and from lots of other people. But to, to be fair to them, I remember speaking to Kelly Simmons and she was focusing on making these really big weekends and really getting the spotlight on women's football and in a place where it doesn't have to fight for men's football. It doesn't have to fight with the fans and it doesn't doesn't have to compete in that way. It can almost have its own spotlight. And I think that's where we've seen the very best of the Women's Super League this season. We've seen in the really big games, in the derbies, they've managed to get the fixture scheduling right and the fans have, have turned up. But I still think we need a little bit of improvement on on some of those crowds on a week-to-week basis when there aren't big games on. I mean, for example, Reading and Everton have, have, have struggled with their attendances week in and week out. So I think that 
next season is something that we need to aspire to grow, not just the big games. Yeah, but we did see the Women's Football Weekend in November, which got a lot of traction. I know there was some big games in there, but but there were others that, that, that weren't headlines, if, if you like, Leanne. Did, do you see that as a success? Would you like to see it come back again for the 2021 season? Yeah, I think, you know, I've always said this. It's all, Ultimately, it comes down to branding and I think, and, and obviously promotion. And I think it's like anything. I go to concerts because I know Beyonce's coming in concert. If people don't know about it, then they're not going to know to go. So I think ultimately it just comes down to promotion, getting people to the games. But like Molly rightfully said, we need to start getting people at the games of the teams. Because I think you can sell an Arsenal Manchester United, you can sell a Tottenham Chelsea, but ultimately can you sell like a Bristol Birmingham? Do you know what I mean? That's no disrespect to those teams, but we need to make sure those teams are also getting the promotion that they deserve as well. Yeah, that's really important, especially when it's a 12-club League, it, it is important that that is um, shared around. Uh, more teams, though, developing academies and new training facilities and stadiums. Of course, Everton's move as well. Uh, news this week as well that Tottenham have launched a WSL dual career academy for next season in partnership uh, with the FA. That's to try and bring um, younger home-taught talents uh, between the ages of 16 and 21, which can then directly link to the first team. And that's crucial, isn't it, Leanne? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously growing up at Arsenal, I was very fortunate. I played for the Centre of Excellence from the age of nine, you know, and, and it was fantastic to just learn that strategic along the way of how Arsenal played. And when I got to the first team, it made it certainly easier for me. You know, I was 14 when I made my debut, but at the same time, you know, which is only a few years after I signed for them. But it certainly was easier knowing having that development from a young age. So I think that's what's the luxury and what the greatness about having a team like Manchester United in the league now. You know, they always had younger teams but then everybody would kind of leave when they got to like 16, 17 and, and go to Manchester City or another team. So I'm happy now that Manchester United, not because I'm a fan, but that they have a team because I think it's weird that there's not a, there's a development, but they're not a team where players can go to. So I'm all for grassroots development, you know, and kids learning from a young age. Yeah. Any transfers that you've seen, Molly, that have uh, caught your eye? We've seen Chloe Kelly possibly leaving Everton, Lucy Staniforth leaving Birmingham, Anita Asante leaving Chelsea. What else have you had your eye on? Well, of course, Lucy Bronze's contract is up at, at Lyon this summer. And, you know, we touched on it earlier with the Champions League, but there's a few players like Alex Greenwood, for example, that are that are out of contract, whether or not they will end up playing in the Champions League, because obviously that's in August, or whether they will have already moved on to a new club by then, it, it's sort of unclear at the moment. It's some of those questions that we need to get answered. But I think wh- whoever gets Lucy Bronze, and there's been a lot of rumours linking her with Manchester City, I mean, that's a massive acquisition. You're talking about the best right-back in the world, but not just that, her influence on games. She's that good in her position. that We saw her, for example, England against Norway in the World Cup. She's she's just incredible when she is on form and she more than often is. And I think that signing in itself could be the edge in the title race next season. Mm, I think we can all agree that certainly the WSL season um, lived up to expectations this uh, 1920s season and we're very much looking forward to it coming back 2021 as well and seeing exactly what more we can get out of women's football and push it on even further. This is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 with me, Faker Rothers, alongside former England forward Leanne Sanderson and Molly Hudson of The Times. Um, Have you downloaded our podcast yet? If not, why not? Uh, You can download it on Apple and Spotify products and you can catch up on anything that you might have missed. Next, though, we're going to look back on a turbulent time for the Lionesses. (laughs) 
Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. Hi, I'm Fran Kirby and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Great to have you with us as always. So we've gone through the WSL season so far. Now we need to have a look at England and the Lionesses. Mm, achievements. So since the 2019 World Cup, they've lost five games, won three, drawn one. Um, Molly Hudson is shrugging her shoulders at me to my left and uh, I, I can't see what Leanne Sanderson is doing at home at the moment, but I'll come to you in a second, Leanne. Um, Molly Hudson from The Times, come on then, your assessment of the Lionesses since the World Cup. I think you used the perfect word earlier on when you said turbulent. Um, I, I've been I've been lucky enough to to follow the Lionesses be, be at the majority of those games and I think, obviously, Coming off the back of the World Cup, it was such positivity. Yes, of course, it was a disappointing way to end the the bronze medal match. But we really hoped that we could push on, uh, had lots of friendlies organised and everything, and it, it just all went a bit flat, a bit quickly, really. And I don't think we ever really recovered. Um, I know Phil spoke a lot about the kind of mountain that England had climbed and it felt like it was right at the bottom and it has felt like that. They can't quite get a foothold and really climb back up. I think positives, you have to say the big, big Wembley crowd against Germany. But again, that, that was sort of negated by the fact that we lost that game. And for me, that was so disappointing because I know the the positives were having all of those fans but you really want to put on a show. That That's the point of getting all these crowds in, to show them how great women's football is. And yes, it was still a great game, but it's such a shame that England weren't able to capitalise on that and really go on and win and prove that they could, could compete with Germany and, and win that game. I would agree with you on that. However, I took my niece and nephew, uh, 13 and 10, and my nephew literally just waxes lyrical about Ellen White all the time now. And even though we lost... He thoroughly enjoyed himself and that was both of their first time at Wembley and first time watching England women and they absolutely loved it. Uh, Leanne, though, they didn't win the She Believes Cup, didn't uh, didn't hold their title and they only won one game beating Japan 1-0 as well. I mean, beating Japan was pretty decent, but, you know, I'm, I'm getting a, a, a thumbs down kind of look from Molly here. What was your assessment? Yeah, you know, I think it's great. I think in, obviously in the women's game, I think a lot of people, like you say, you took your family, they had a great time at Wembley and that makes me happy because that's what it's all about. But ultimately it comes down to results and performances. And if you're not getting them, you know, we want to obviously attract people to come to the game, but hence the fact it's not really worked out for Phil Neville because he's not been getting the results he needs to, you know. And I agree with what Molly said about attendances. It's been a positive thing. But, I mean, we played against Germany when I was there and we lost 3-0 at Wembley, but there wasn't such a spotlight on it then because I think... I was fortunate enough to be part of the Lionesses when I feel like everybody fell in love with them in 2015 when we won the bronze medal, which then made people kind of wake up and see the Lionesses more. You know, we were getting like, we were going to Downing Street, you know, we won the bronze medal. And I think, unfortunately team selection, the team players that are selected based upon like the mindset of the Lionesses, I don't think the players that are there have the correct mindset. Not all of them, but some. Because in 2015, we had such a mixture of senior players, younger players, you know, and I think a lot has been put on the younger players, which is great, but ultimately you have to win. You know, the US Women's National Team, they change their roster, but the players that come in, they have the same mentality and they still win. And ultimately, it comes down to results. But I don't think Phil Neville's helped himself a lot because I was 
one of the only people that was actually um, positive about him becoming the manager because he's ex-Manchester United <laughs> and Man United players can do no wrong in my eyes. But I don't think he's helped himself, to be honest, with the comments that he's made, you know, with regards to talking about that bronze medal game at the World Cup saying, you know, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, in the men's game, it, it doesn't really. But in the women's game, it does. And like I said before, if you ask anybody that played in 2015 how much that game meant to them, you know, I have my medal and I'm looking at it right now in front of me. It's, it was a fantastic moment. Yes, would we have preferred for it to be gold? But I just think some of his comments have been not helped him. And, you know, and even the fact that he came out the other week and said he was almost using it as a stepping stone, you know, that, that it's just not necessary because I find it, it disrespects the women's game quite a lot and we're progressing in a really good way, but we still need to progress a lot more. That's a really good point. And I'm going to come on to the, the Phil Neville gaffes that, that we've all been privy to. Um, but just to make another point on that bronze medal game, it, it, I, I would disagree that it's not important in the men's game if it's a smaller team, for example. For example, if Colombia won the bronze medal match, they would be delighted with that. I, I just think sometimes it's still a medal. I know that football is about winning, but it, it, it's it's a medal around your neck. You've got to that stage of the of the competition and to devalue it, men's or women's football, uh, upsets me slightly. And I know there are a lot of people disagree with me. No, I agree. And actually, what Leanne said there about that 2015 team, of, of course, she was part of that. And just for me personally, anecdotally, I was sat at home watching that. And it was the first time I'd really seen women's football in the mainstream. And people really cared and... That's what I think maybe Phil underestimated a bit, that, that people, maybe he was so desperate for gold. And I know all of those players were because there was such a winning mentality in the camp. And, and that sounds like a cliche, but there really was. But I think that actually more people would have seen that, more people would have watched that game and more people would remember that as a moment because that's what I remember from 2015, that moment where England won. And yes, it was only bronze, but they won. So let's talk Phil Neville gaffes in that case. Um, I've interviewed him many times. I get on very well with Phil. I think there are so many things that he did well. Um, Unfortunately, sometimes he gets so wrapped up in the emotion and in the moment that he doesn't take a breath and think about what what he's saying. But Leanne, how would you assess his tenure, bearing in mind he's going to be leaving in almost exactly a year's time? Yeah, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't say it's been a success at all, if I'm honest. You know, that's not being hypercritical. And I'm not just saying the 2015 squad was better because I was there. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm saying it because it's true, you know. And I think all of us that played in that World Cup, we, we speak to each other now, we talk about it, you know. And it's like, I just don't think he's helped himself in... I think he wears his heart on his sleeve, which is fantastic. But I just, when I see the players and when you see them in the huddles after the game, I just don't sense from them that they, he's getting the best out of them for whatever reason. And I think it's fantastic that, you know, he's had David Beckham come to the camp. You know, Harper's been there. I think that does build your confidence. And it does give you that thing where you're like, oh, wow, like David Beckham's coming to our game. But at the same time, you need more than that. You know, and ultimately it comes down to results. And we haven't got them under Phil Neville and it just hasn't worked out. And it's sad to say, and I don't think it's because he hasn't worked in the women's game before. I don't think that's the main reason. I think a lot of people had their back up when they said, you know, oh, well, he's not worked in the women's game and he's not managed at the top level. And it is disrespectful but I'm like for me he's won everything you could win in the men's game so let's give it a go and it just hasn't worked out it really hasn't and hindsight's a great thing you know people can say well we expected this to happen because he's not worked in the women's game but it doesn't always work out like that I think there's there's two strands 
to a Phil's job. And actually, I remember him saying this, and I, I think he may well have said it um, up in Middlesbrough when, when we played Brazil. Um, there's two strands, and it's it's growing the game, and it's then on the pitch. It's almost on the pitch and everything else off it. Off it, he's done huge things for the women's game. He's grown the audience, and as Leanne said, it doesn't matter that he wasn't around women's football before because he has wholeheartedly bought into it. He's promoted women's sport as a whole, and I don't think you can fault him for that at all. But I do think on the pitch, and he, he will say this himself, they, they haven't quite reached the levels that he hoped, and that is what you need to really push us to that next level. He, he wanted us to, to be on par with the United States and even to be better than them. And right now, it feels like we're still a step below them. Okay, two final questions to ask you both on this. Firstly, are there any positives to take away from the Lionesses this year? Yes, Ellen White, Lucy Bronze. Um, there are others, but those are the two, for me, that stick in my mind. Um, Lucy Bronze, coming off the back of the World Cup, obviously she performed, as we all expect her to do, very well there. She's continued to be integral for Leon and as we mentioned earlier, coming back into the Women's Super League, hopefully this year will be a massive boost for the league, her own profile and all of that. And then Ellen White has, has just been astounding. I mean, she had such a brilliant World Cup. Then she was really lucky, unlucky in the fact that she got an injury and that also coincided with England's first friendly games. And to be fair to Phil, I don't think that helped. We saw how integral she were, was at the World Cup and then they were suddenly without her. She got back into the Man City squad. Pauline Bremer had a great season as well. She was she was fighting it out for her place there. And I think she has proved with her experience and, and her eye for goal, she's a really, really crucial player for England and Man City. Let me say the only positive I see out of Ellen White's injury at the beginning of the season, and that was the introduction of Beth England. Because How Beth could England, I forget Beth England? I, know, I had to remind you because she's been fantastic, Leanne. As a, as a forward, how impressed have you been with her? Yeah, I think she's great. I've not had the opportunity to actually um, to play with Beth. I think I played against her maybe a couple of times with Doncaster. I'm not sure, but she has been brilliant. And like I said, Emma Hayes is just brilliant at putting together. You know, they they have such a strong squad, but she's been brilliant. Her her pace, you know, her athleticism, her ability to stand up, stand up when they need her. She's great, and I think that we need a player like her at England. And I hope she can flourish because I think sometimes, I mean, I grew up playing with Ellen White at Arsenal from the age of nine, and I think. Ellen has come on leaps and bounds, and it's so fantastic to see. She's a great girl. She's a great person. She works hard, but I think she's added that quality to her game that she had missing. You know, she's always been a player that you can definitely rely on. She's one of those players that you're like, I'm glad Ellen's in my team because she'll work hard for the team. But I think she's added that quality, and I and I can't give her more respect than I do because she's she's worked hard for everything that she's got, and it's fantastic. There we go. So there are positives to take from the Lionesses uh, this year. Uh, of course, we'll have a new manager to replace Phil Neville in the summer of 2021. We still don't know whether he is going to be leading uh, the, the Team GB at the Olympics, which is going to be held next year, which, of course, we have to look forward to as well. Um, we could debate that forever, but we're running out of time on Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Rothers. I'm also alongside Leanne Sanderson and Molly Hudson. Next... Could the 2023 World Cup be going down under? Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Hi, I'm Georgia Stanway and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. 
This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faye Carruthers and I'm socially distancing with Leanne Sanderson, former England and Arsenal forward, and Molly Hudson uh, from The Times are both with me. Now, we've assessed the Lionesses. We've assessed the WSL. We've had a chat with Jill Scott. We've put the world to rights in women's football. Now let's talk exciting tournaments because the 2023 World Cup is either going to be held in Australia in New Zealand as a joint bid or in Colombia. We're going to find out on Thursday. Uh, What we have found out today, though, is that Japan have pulled out of the running. Interesting. uh, FIFA released an evaluation report uh, on the bids. So, of course, the Australia-New Zealand joint bid, um, that was the strongest of the three. It scored 4.1 out of a possible five. Japan were their nearest competitors on 3.9, Colombia uh, 2.8. First of all, Molly Hudson, do we know why Japan pulled out? Um, No, not particularly. It's one of those where the the statement in Japanese is a lot more detailed than the one we got given in English. Um, But I think Logically, you you have to look at the fact that the Olympics um, has obviously been delayed and all of the repercussions of that um, in Japan. Um, and I think that has probably played a part. I also think it was interesting in the wording that we were given that they've backed um, the fact that the, the tournament will be hopefully be in Asia with Australia and New Zealand um, and they've they've been really positive about that bid um, so I think almost it's a not an easy way out but they know that Australia and New Zealand probably were going to win anyway in terms of the, the FIFA report that you mentioned. Yeah well I don't want to completely rule out Colombia obviously because that would be incredibly disrespectful but FIFA did say that Australia and New Zealand is the only bid that has a strong overlap with their own long-term women's football strategy. Uh, they said it provided clear objectives for growing the women's game and using the sport as a platform to drive social change beyond the parameters of the tournament. Um, so they appear to be in the driving seat Leanne Sanderson. What would a tournament be like out there though yeah i mean i think as we've seen with the australian league it's come on leaps and bounds and it's a place where you know i know certainly in america when i've played there a lot of my teammates have gone to play in australia in the off season i think that league is definitely growing it's a beautiful country as is new zealand and i think you know i always find it fascinating when teams pull out because even though you know australia and new zealand look like the strong contenders it's it's really strange when teams just like when countries or teams just pull out you know what i mean because you're like why would you put in the bid in the first place i can't quite see colombia um, getting it based upon not only with the ratings they have at the moment but they just don't have enough like you know women's football historically like they just don't and I've never really played against I played against Colombia in the World Cup in 2015 but we don't go to South American countries that much because they don't invest a lot in their women's game when it comes to Argentina, Colombia, Brazil you know I don't think we ever as an England nation go to those countries because there's just not an investment really as much from the federation so mm. I definitely think it will be great if Australia and New Zealand do get it because they have the infrastructure, they have the facilities. You know, we won't see something like in 2015 everyone give Canada a bad rap because every pitch was uh, artificial turf but it was only between Canada and Russia that wanted the World Cup and then Russia pulled out so really... You can't really, you can't, there's no choice. There's no other option apart from Canada are going to host it because they're the only ones that want to. Yeah, and as you say, (laughs) Australia and New Zealand do have the infrastructure. Um, But Molly Hudson, obviously, we were out together um, in France and, you know, distances were a problem for the England games a lot of the time. But, I mean, we're not talking, you know, the size of France. We're talking Australia and New Zealand. 
different um, time um, problems, obviously, in different time zones, depending on where where you are and long distances as well. How problematic could that be? I think it it could be quite difficult. And as you say, France was a bit of a nightmare, more more on the scheduling and the way that the groups were sort of set out by FIFA. And obviously we remember that that England played in, in Nice then had to go all the way to La Havre and then back to Nice. And that was just unnecessary. And I think if the bid does go to Australia and New Zealand, we've seen in the past that men's tournaments, it's been quite effectively scheduled and organised in the fact that the group games will be in a little cluster of cities that are all fairly easy to travel around and get to. And that would be really logical because actually I remember Phil Neville speaking before that tournament and being really frustrated at the fact that England couldn't have a team base because they were travelling all over the place. Um, And that's something that in men's tournaments is commonplace. So hopefully logistically it will be a lot easier and it will be there'll be a lot more planning and thought gone into it by FIFA if if we do end up in Australia and New Zealand. Yes, yeah, certainly learning from uh, from the mistakes that were made out in France especially in terms of attendances um and fans and and things like that as well. Obviously we're not assuming it's going to be Australia and New Zealand. Colombia are still in the running. Um but what what was interesting at least it would be held June June to August somewhere in that window uh which is the winter out there, which actually fits the WSL and European schedules um, as well. Uh, Listen, we are fast running out of time here on Women's Football Weekly. I hate saying that every week, but I hate saying it even more this week because it's our last show of the season. Uh, Molly Hudson, an absolute pleasure, as always, having you with us. And thank you for all of your efforts this season. Great to have you on. Looking forward to the new season. One quick um, note for you of what to look out for next season. Manchester City with Lucy Bronze. Can I say that? Maybe if she goes there. You can. Okay. You heard it here first. Leanne Sanderson, your debut on Women's Football Weekly. Hopefully next time we can actually get you face to face in the studio. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure and really great chatting with you and uh, have a wonderful evening. Thank you very much. Thank you to Molly Hudson from The Times and Leanne Sanderson, former Arsenal and England forward as well. That is it for this season's Women's Football Weekly with me, Faker others on TalkSport 2. Many thanks to all of you for listening and, of course, for taking part as well. I just want to give a quick shout-out to some of our really loyal listeners, the likes of Sue, Derek, Adam, but there are so many of you to mention as well. I wouldn't have time and I'd crash all the adverts, so I won't do that. Um, If you've missed any of our latest shows, though, do not despair. You can catch up anytime you'd like on our podcast. So please do download us from your preferred podcast provider and we'll see you next season. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Jordan Nobbs and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.